Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is John Jewers. I uh, am a, a good friend of Alec and Tammy Millen's. Our family met their family, oh, about 14 years ago when our daughters were in first grade together. And so they've grown up and have become very good friends over the years. My wife is with me here today, Lisa, and our son Aiden and our daughter Alana. So uh, we are pleased to be with you. Pastor Alec is down in Virginia visiting his daughter Chelsea this morning, and so they're enjoy- enjoying that time together as a family. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter today, so if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, looking at verses 3 through verse 9 together today, and we'll read this text and then get into our time this morning. So good to Good to have all of you here present, and I'll greet those online who may be watching as well. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So uh, if you are one who likes to take notes, the title this morning of the message is Realms of Grace. Realms of Grace. So when you hear that word grace... Uh, what comes to your mind when you hear that term? Uh, maybe what comes to your mind is the name of an individual that you know. Uh, in my mind, the name uh, reminds me of this little girl. Uh, she's probably no taller than that, but her name is Grace. Uh, she goes by Gracie, and she is just a bundle of energy running around all over the place. And uh, so you, you think of a person's name, uh, their name Grace. Maybe you think of uh, elegance. And so if you're into the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, and the ice skating comes on, and, and you, you think of the elegant skaters who skate in those competitions, and they do all their twists and twirls and loop-de-loops, and they do so with such elegance. Like, how, how can they do that? If we were to try to do that, we'd be falling flat on our face. Maybe that's what comes to your mind. Uh, maybe if you're a student, uh, you think of grace in terms of an extension uh, you missed the deadline, uh, whether you're a student or maybe you, you're, you're renting somewhere or paying your mortgage and you missed the deadline. So grace is that extension that you receive from your landlord or from your teacher uh, where they give you more time to get the assignment done or make that payment. Uh, some people uh, have this come to mind, grace being a prayer that happens at a meal. So let's say grace before our meal and thank God for his provision. 
some think of it as an address where you, uh, your, your grace or your highness, the king of England. Uh, but I think for most of us, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus and our experience, uh, we think of grace, of course, as that unmerited favor from God, uh, whereby he shows us kindness because of the work of his son Jesus, right? I hope that comes to your mind as you think of this term grace. And this is how we're going to be, of course, using it today as we look at this text together. As Peter opens his letter here, we didn't read verses 1 and 2, but you can read through that. He opens his letter to the elect exiles of the dispersion. So these are uh, first century believers who had been scattered all over the place, uh, primarily because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they were encountering persecution, not only from their Jewish countrymen, uh, but also from uh, those who were outside of Judaism as well, the Romans. And so they are dispersed. They are, they are scattered. And his wish for these believers, as you read verse 2, is that they would experience this grace and the, that, that peace would be multiplied to them. We see that there in verse 2. So uh, Paul describes, or Peter, I'm sorry, describes these believers as those who've been chosen by God, uh, persecuted by men, but as he's writing to them, he knows that they are in great need of encouragement because of all that they are encountering in life, of the difficulties that are coming their way. And so, you know, as we try to transport this into where we are living today, into our century, into our time, uh, situations are probably a little bit different. We're not encountering persecution necessarily like they were. But in terms of difficulties in life, in terms of uh, circumstances that are less than desirable, in terms of uh, things happening that we just wish were different, boy, don't we need some encouragement? Uh, I see some heads nodding. I need that encouragement. I'm sure you do as well. And so I think we can really enter into this text this morning and uh, hear what Peter is saying to these believers and draw some principles out of here that hopefully will be a great encouragement to us. Because it is okay to need encouragement, right? Uh, it's okay to uh, be overwhelmed sometimes by the circumstances of life and just, you know what, God, I just need you to speak to me something that will lift my spirits in these moments in this time. And so I think this text will do that for us. So what Peter does here, of course, is he provides the encouragement that these believers needed by reminding them of two realms in which they were experiencing the unmerited favor of God. And so I'd like to uh, let Peter just take us to these realms this morning uh, as he reminds them of the grace that they're receiving. And as, as Peter takes us there, maybe it will remind us of the grace that we're receiving as well as we live in these days. So hopefully this will be an encouragement to you as Monday's coming, right, tomorrow, and the craziness of 2020 is going to continue and so we need these encouragements. So what are these two realms of grace? Well, here's realm number one. So again, if you're taking notes, point number one, realm number one is the realm in which we rest. The realm in which we rest. So let me describe it uh, this way, maybe by way of illustration. If you've ever been to uh, a Bible conference where you went and you just heard speakers for two or three days or even a whole week, and you're there and you're caught up in the atmosphere of other believers who are there worshiping Jesus. You're hearing messages, you're singing songs together. And uh, it's, it's almost like the, 
the world of all the troubles got left behind and you've been transported into this otherworldly realm where, man, everything is just awesome, everything is great. Uh, maybe you feel that way sometimes when you're on vacation. We can leave the job behind, leave the troubles of life behind, and uh, hit the road, go to your vacation spot, and we're just enjoying this time here together. It's like everything else stands still, and we're just resting in this moment. Uh, this is uh, what I'm, uh, I believe Peter is talking about here as he talks about this, this realm of grace. And he doesn't use these terms, but it's almost like he's describing this otherworldly place that is in fact reality, but it's a reality other than the reality in which we kind of find ourselves locked into living day by day. We're going to talk about that one in a minute, but, but here we're talking about this one, this otherworldly realm. Uh, here, it's almost like everything is okay. Everything is just as it should be. Uh, Note Peter's words here uh, of praise in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. And so his words here remind us of Jesus' instruction to Nicodemus, if you remember that story in John chapter 3. In verse 3, uh, this religious man comes to Jesus by night with questions, and Jesus says to him, uh, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So uh, when Peter uses this term here, born again, it kind of reminds us of that. It reminds us of Paul's words to those at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. Could we, could we turn there very quickly and just read this? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 Uh, He starts describing the condition of man, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He's describing man's lost condition, his unresponsive state before God. But then verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in our trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he has raised us up with him, seated us in heavenly places with Christ. And then the passage goes on. He's talking about uh, people who are spiritually dead and unresponsive to God being infused with life by God's Spirit, whereby now they can live in relationship with him and enjoy all that God has in store for them. Uh, This is what Peter is talking about here when he says, Praise be God for the fact that he has done this for us. He has caused those of us who are dead in our sin through the work of Christ to be infused with life whereby we can live in relationship and fellowship with him. And so when you read all of these words and reflect on the kindness that God has shown to us through his son Jesus, doesn't it just kind of feel like you're transported to another realm? yeah, let, let's, let's live there. Let's talk about this for a while, all that God has done for us through Christ. And so as we think of this realm uh, uh, in which we rest, kind of think of it in, in two ways. It's safe here. As, as Peter goes on to describe this, when, when we read and understand that to which God has caused us to be born again, as we look in verse 3, 
we find that in reality, we're actually in a place, spiritually speaking, where absolutely nothing can harm us. Boy, wouldn't that be great, right? To have this uh, armor about us where nothing can penetrate (laughs) uh, deep into our heart and soul and cause us any kind of harm, uh, ill will, or grief. Uh, That would be wonderful. And and this is really what I believe Peter is getting at here. Peter says that we are born again, verse 3, to a living hope. This hope is the confident assurance that we will stand one day in the presence of our God for all eternity as those who are free from the penalty, power, and even very presence of sin itself. Isn't that encouraging, <laughs> right? Uh, this hope is based in a Savior who's, who has paid sin's penalty fully, who has broken sin's power entirely, and who guarantees deliverance from sin's presence completely. Even as we read further in verse 3, this is a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, Talking to our brother outside on the way in this morning, we were talking about the the hope of the resurrection. Like, uh, if death couldn't hold Jesus and our hope and our faith and our trust is in Jesus, then it's not going to hold us either. And so we have these promises that are sure, that are certain. Uh, This is why this hope is a living hope. It is sure, certain. It is real, as opposed to what one author said, uh, the deceptive, empty, false hope that this world offers. Because we're constantly running into that, right? Put your hope in your money, and then your money's gone. Put your hope in your job, and then your job's gone. Put your hope in that person, that person walks away. It's like we, we encounter this all the time, but this is something that is sure that will never be taken away from us because this is what God has provided for us through his son, Jesus. And so this is very encouraging. For these believers, nothing, not persecution by the Jews, not mistreatment by the Romans, nothing could ever take this hope away from them. How encouraging is that? And so when you hear... Uh, or talk, or even sing about this living hope. I think the last song today is living hope. Uh, It just kind of takes you to this other realm. It's easy to get lost there. It's easy to get lost in verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, take me there. It's easy to get lost in verses like Romans 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, take me there, right? Let's live there and enjoy these blessings. And and in this realm, we just kind of rest there. We feel safe there. We feel secure there. Peter goes on. And he also notes in verse 4 that we have been born again to an inheritance, he says in verse 4. Now, uh, we'd all love for that uh, rich uncle to leave us their earthly wealth, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe that would solve all our problems, right? Uh, I have no such rich uncle. (laughs) Here, uh, God promises us something really far better of far greater worth and value. Here in this text, Peter describes it as an inheritance that is imperishable. It doesn't corrode. It doesn't crack. It doesn't decay. It doesn't fade away. Uh, Could we say that it is everlasting? It is death-proof. 
Uh, he describes it as undefiled, perfect in its condition. It's not tarnished or stained in any way. Uh, and we, we often think of that which is marred because of the stain of sin. Uh, so, so think of a, an inheritance that is sin Proof. It is sin-free. It's not tainted in any way by sin. It is unfading. Uh, it has no variation in value, glory, or beauty. It endures throughout all of time into eternity. He further describes this inheritance, I believe, as purposeful uh, when he says it is kept in heaven. So there is uh, the, the active agent here, God, working on our behalf, purposefully, very personally, keeping this in heaven, he says, for you. And so what this communicates to me, as Peter is speaking to these believers, is that God has has reserved for them their place, and as we bring the principle forward, he has reserved for us our place, and will hold it until we arrive as the heir to claim it as our own. So, yeah, you, you, you talk about these things, you think about these things like our minds just kind of leave this world, right? We're caught up in this other realm. Like These are wonderful truths. And you could read John 14 and talk about uh, Jesus going and preparing the place and he'll come again and he'll take us to it. And you read Revelation 21 and 22 and you get some kind of a, a, a mental picture of maybe what's, what that place will be like. I have no earthly inheritance. My father uh, didn't have much here, but he has now what I will one day also share. He has an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And his was kept for him, and mine is kept for me. Uh, God has it on reserve, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he has it reserved for you as well, that place for you. And when we think about this reality... Uh, it just causes almost life just to, okay, everything else stands still and I can just get caught up there. Like, this is wonderful. This is a realm of rest. Is that true for you? It's safe here. It's safe here, right? But, but a second thing about this realm of rest, God shields us here. Uh, as you look at verse 5, Peter says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so what Peter does here is he uses a military term, this term guarded. Uh, it's, it's literally the idea of a garrison of, of soldiers uh, who are standing watch, standing guard. And so he paints this picture of a strongly fortified, well-protected, impenetrable city. This is the power of God in securing those whom he has chosen to be the recipients of this gracious inheritance. Peter's point is that God protects his children from anyone and anything that would threaten to rob us of all that he has planned for us. God himself ensures that his children, characterized by genuine faith, will go the distance and become recipients of his salvation. What we now enjoy in part, we will then enjoy in fullness. This is the work of God on our behalf. And so aren't you glad that none of this really depends on us? (laughs) Uh, This is purely the work of God's grace. And so when we talk about realms of grace, we think of this first one, 
uh, this realm in which we rest, all of the, the blessings that we have because of Jesus, this eternal inheritance that we will one day enjoy in full, all because of God's work of grace in our lives. So can we just live there? <laughs> you know, Can we just stay there and dwell there? Uh, that would be wonderful. And it is reality, right, for those who are trusting Jesus. I hope that you are. It's fun to talk about all of that. It reaffirms our hope and our confidence. And so Peter said to his audience in verse 6, first part, he says, In this you rejoice, and we can rejoice as well. But then, as he goes on in verse 6, we're kind of blasted back into this reality. And so here's realm number two, which is also a realm of grace. Okay, realm number two. The realm in which we live, right? Uh, the realm in which we function in the day-to-day, -day, this reality of life as we know it. So here's where our heads kind of drop out of the clouds for a moment. We return to this world, uh, the one where we function today in the here and now. This is the world uh, where you live as a son or a daughter. This is the world where you live as a husband or a wife, as a father or a mother. Uh, you might be a single parent. Maybe you're a widow or a widower. It's that world where you're living in that capacity uh, as a student or a teacher an employer, an employee, a friend, a neighbor, a counselor, a citizen, a homeowner, a respected leader, a somebody, a nobody, uh, whoever you are, whatever your normal, everyday role in life is, wherever your walk in life takes you, this is the realm that we're talking about now. This is the world uh, where you function as a follower of Jesus. It's here where you carry out the responsibilities that come with each of these respective roles and then a whole lot more. It's the world in which you are called upon by God to show forth and proclaim the grace that you have received. That's not always easy. It's the world in which you live out your faith. And so here's the truth. Here's the reality of this. As true and real and lovely as the other worldly realm is, this realm of rest, we must also function in this one, right? Until Jesus returns. And one day he will take us out of this, and we will enjoy that in its fullness. But for now, we have to live here. And so it's safe there, and God shields us there. This is true. In that realm, we rejoice. In this realm, uh, breaking this one down into a couple parts, it kind of hurts here, right? It hurts here. Note Peter's words in verse 6. He says, in this you rejoice, everything that he's talked about already. Uh, we rejoice, though now, for a little while, till Jesus returns, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And so he describes the, the present experience of these believers in Jesus, his current readers, as that which leaves them grieved, uh, which is literally a state of, of mental pain and anxiety. <laughs> we can enter into that, right? Uh, they're grieved due to various different kinds, diverse, not all the same. It comes at you from different directions, different things 
different trials is the word that he uses here. And interesting enough, we think of trial and, and some images and meanings come to mind, but he's using it here in the sense of various tests. Tests. And so our mind goes to James chapter 1 and verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials is, is a way that it's been translated. There are various tests. So what is Peter talking about? Neither Peter nor James call the things that hurt in life difficulties. They don't call them troubles. They don't call them problems. They don't call them unfavorable circumstances. Uh, I'm sure they both would agree that they are oftentimes that, can indeed be that, as you look at it from, from one angle, from the human perspective. Uh, we just wish things would be better. But what, what Peter does here, I, I believe he's right there with us in acknowledging all of the mental pain and anxiety that these various trials bring. Uh, live long enough and you're going to encounter those under normal circumstances of life and then try to be a follower of Jesus and sometimes it can even get harder and that was the case for these believers. But Peter uses the word tests. In other words, when encountered, uh, these various things in life that can cause us great mental anxiety and pain, when encountered, these things that hurt can actually become opportunities for God to do an even greater work of grace in our lives, whereby we would experience a side of his grace maybe that we wouldn't otherwise experience apart from going through the test. So let me ask you this. How would you view your troubles differently if you saw them not just as troubles to be avoided, <laughs> but as opportunities to embrace so that God might do an even further work of grace in your life? That's a tough question, right? And, and I'm not saying, and I don't believe Peter is saying, well, just bring on the trouble, right? I don't think he's saying that. <laughs> but the reality is the trouble is going to come because we live in a broken world and we're broken people, living among broken people. So the trouble is going to come. So rather than living just wishing it would all go away, can we live with this thought and understanding that, okay, God, I don't necessarily like what's happening right now, but I am going to embrace what's happening as an opportunity for me to experience your grace in a way that I would not otherwise experience it. That's tough, right? <laughs> That's tough. But I think this is what Peter is getting at here. It does indeed hurt here this realm in which we live, and we don't welcome it, but there is something amazing that happens as we embrace these opportunities. What God does is he refines us here. He refines us here. So I don't believe that God purposefully delights in making life difficult for his children. I don't believe that's the case. Dare I say that the only reason life isn't as difficult as it could be is because of God's mercy and grace. He does intervene for us in many ways, right? It is totally within God's right to withhold measures of grace. In such seasons, man can very easily find himself in a position where his faith is tested in ways that maybe it has never been tested before. Case in point, read 
Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As uh, the sons of God come and present themselves before him, and Satan is among that number, and God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. And Satan says, Yeah, but touch him. In other words, withhold your hand of grace from him for a moment and then see what happens. And so God says, Okay, uh, you can afflict him, but you, you can't kill him, but you can afflict him. And so God. Uh, in essence, withholds that hand of grace for a time, for a season in Job's life. And now Job is tested. And the genuineness of his faith will be proven, and Job will uh, go through an experience where he will understand now a side of God's grace that he would not have otherwise experienced. Even so, in these times of testing, uh, God grants this different grace, a grace that enables one to endure the test whereby his faith is further strengthened, further refined, and where God's grace is seen and experienced in new ways. Uh, one author put it this way, like physical muscles that must be exercised in order to be strengthened, our faith must be exercised if it is to grow strong. So according to Peter... When those of genuine faith are tested in this way, and we have to remember to whom he's writing, those who are under great stress, persecution because of their faith. When tested in this way, the quality of the faith that remains after such testing is that which can only be explained by and credited to the one who graciously enables them to endure it, to, to persevere through this refining process. And so verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you come through these trials, you come through these tests, and your faith is still intact and you still love Jesus, and in fact, you love him more because of the way that he has sustained you through these difficulties. Uh, it is only uh, him that deserves the praise, only he that deserves the praise. How else can anyone explain that which Peter describes in verse 8? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you continue to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. He you talk to others who are encountering difficulties in life, like you are, and they don't have Jesus, and you do, and God is showing his grace and working his grace in your life through the trials and through the difficulties, and you're, it's hard, yes, but there's still joy, and they're like scratching their head, like, what is up with that, <laughs> right? Like, th this is the work of God in, in our lives, Right? So whatever God is allowing in your life right now, whatever the difficulty, the trial, the test, there's something bigger going on than what you're facing. God has already done a work of grace in your life in rescuing you from your sin and saving you, and he's seeking to do an even further work of grace uh, to refine you, to strengthen your faith, uh, that you would grow in ways that you would not otherwise grow. So this realm in which we live where we function day in and day out, it means something. And it hurts from time to time, but God is refining us here, proving our faith to be genuine, 
for the glory and praise of his grace. And for those whose faith is found pure, guess what they receive? Verse 9, uh, he talks about obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Like, we are going to be carried the distance by God. Uh, what an amazing thing. So, as we kind of wrap up here, God is the giver of grace, right? Uh, a grace that we have the privilege of experiencing really in these two realms. The first is that otherworldly realm in which we rest. Uh, we're safe there. God secures us there. Uh, nothing can harm us there. Uh, it's almost like we just want to get wrapped up there and live there and sing about it there and study about it there and be reminded of all those truths there. Yes, 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 we should. But then there is also this other realm in which we live where uh, sometimes it can hurt here, but in the process of it hurting here, uh, God is using it to complete his refining work in us, uh, whereby we experience him and his grace in ways that we would not otherwise experience it. And so may he be praised, right? May he be praised. So whichever, whichever realm has captured the attention of your heart lately, maybe it's been that realm of rest, and you're just rejoicing there, or maybe it's this realm uh, where you're just living the day-to-day, -day and uh, I just want it to end. Um, whichever one has captured your attention, I hope that you will praise God for his abundant grace, because God gives it in both realms, and we need it in both realms as we continue on this journey uh, toward being with him forever throughout eternity. So we'll leave it there. Uh, hopefully this will help you as you enter into your Monday, into what continues to be a crazy 2020, right? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time.